Osiris. Welcome back to The Recovering Catholic. I'm your host, Katie Pruitt. I'm continuously reminded that no one's path is the same. And in a similar sense, maybe no one person experiences God the same. Today, I'm interviewing one of my favorite new artists in country music, Jamie Wyatt, whose journey to self-acceptance was complicated, to say the least. In today's episode, we discuss the dangers of stigmatizing mental health and how the pressure to conform can sometimes lead us to some pretty dark places. Jamie opens up about some of those dark places and explains how the strength that saved her life in those moments was not in fact a human power, but possibly something greater. Thanks for being on here. Man, I'm so good. It's so nice to finally meet you and and like I'm super honored to be on your show. Thanks. Thanks. I kind of so this this podcast is sort of like a space to vent about like religious trauma and like maybe any wow. um I mean not necessarily it doesn't have to be just religious trauma. I mean it just kind of um just vent about how conformity kind of sucks and <laughs> yeah yeah like yeah there's a lot of um there's a lot of ways that society can kind of box us in so i i for me this is a way for me to like i don't know wrestle with all that and it's cool to get the opinions of other people about like how they access whatever this appealable source is whether you call it god or whether you call it you know um whether it's just you find it in the silence of your room when you're writing songs, but we won't, we won't go there quite yet. I want to, I kind of want to get some background on you and and talk about like your early life and maybe like where you grew up and, um, and, and it was, was religion part of your upbringing or not really, or like. Mm. Well, actually, yeah. So I grew up in Washington state and it's kind of funny. It's like my, my parents, uh, were musicians and singer-songwriters, just no one of any notoriety, uh, uh, but they were sort of, uh, they sort of like, they lived in LA when I, before I was born and, um, and my dad kind of had a, a uh, like budding career and whatever, so they kind of exodus from, uh, they fled LA and then like tried to like be you know, a, a reliable family and stuff. So I grew up Catholic. Okay. And I grew up going to, um, yes, <laughs> you know, that I don't know if you understand that Catholic guilt, but. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I can, like I, yeah. Every day. Right. Yeah, dude. So I went, I grew up going to like every Sunday to mass and then uh, did CCD and first Holy Communion. Oh, yeah. And, and I didn't really understand, um, 
much of anything. It was just like my dad was like, they were a huge, you know, my dad comes from a huge Irish Catholic family. And so, uh, yeah, so I grew up, all I knew is that they had donuts after mass. And I was like, <laughs> hell yeah, you know? <laughs> so Washington oh. State and, and Catholicism is like what I'm still trying to uh, recover from, you know? <laughs> okay, I feel that. Was it like, where did you, where did you grow up in Washington? Was it like rural? Oh. Was it in the suburb? Was it like, you know? Was it in the city? Yeah, yeah dude, no. It was in the middle of the woods. Wow. Like, yeah, deep in the woods. And it was a, uh, I grew up on a tiny little island, and there's lots of islands up there in the Puget Sound. But this island's called Fox Island. And uh, there, there was a bridge connecting it to land, thank goodness. But uh, it was very, very like, when we moved out there, it was a general store, two churches, and a fire station. And like growing up, it's so funny, like grass is always gre greener on the other side. Growing up, like I was so bummed because all I wanted and what I would like pray for is like, um, this is what, speaking of God, by the way, I thought God was Santa Claus when I was a little kid, like uh, where I would just like pray for, you know, <laughs> my mom to pave our driveway because it was like so full of potholes and gravel driveway. You know, it was, I couldn't skateboard on the gravel. And so we would go to these churches to skateboard and walk like miles you know and then like, the, <laughs> it was like dude so you not okay i'm all i also was a skateboarder in my youth this is oh, like sick. i feel like there's a lot of parallels in our in our upbringing except i did not grow up in the middle of the woods <laughs> i grew okay. up in the suburbs but man um wow okay so you prayed that your mom would pave the driveway so that you could skateboard. <laughs> That's it was that and a telltale yeah, sign of future lesbian. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. For sure. I mean, <laughs> let me tell you, like, my parents had no idea, but my mom was super cool, like, about she, she, you know, she let, mostly let me dress how I wanted to dress. And, like, you know, <laughs> she would, like, we'd go to the Goodwill and get, like, baggy cords but she would like hem them for me you know yeah. which was nice and like uh I played little league you know with like being the only girl in little league and nice. she let me skateboard with all the like all my best friends were were the boys and so I, I grew up skating you know she was really cool about that she did not ever say like are you gay which I think in retrospect is hilarious just because yeah. like she's super uh super hetero you know and and right. didn't even think of it well that's because back then they're like oh she's just a tomboy <laughs> my mom sure. kind of used that as well as like this fallback of like oh she's she just you know she's just a tomboy she's just not girly uh dude same which, which there are there are a lot of like girls that are hetero that are just yeah. tomboys so i like that Absolutely. is a, that is totally like valid but oh, yeah but i'd say like a good bit of the <laughs> the tomboys <laughs> the very boyish girls uh little girls uh end up being somewhat queer whatever that means that's 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 um, right man but that's yeah that's interesting so when I mean, and obviously, like, anything I ask you that you don't feel comfortable answering, like, don't answer. It's all good. Okay. But were they, were they, like, did, when did you come out to them, and, and was it accepted? Was it, like, kind of, like, uncomfortable at first, or was it just, yeah, what was that like? Oh, it's been such a journey. I, uh, you know, I really didn't know 
I maybe had like maybe some crushes when I was in my teenage years Mm -hmm. like on my on my I had crushes on my sister's friends you know Mm -hmm. like my older sister's friends right and uh like and I loved it when they'd ask me to like play guitar for them you know like (laughs) I thought though I was like you know but I was like the cute little sister so I it never I didn't know like what that meant you know and and no one you know I come from a family of two older sisters and my mom and I didn't really grow up with my dad. So it's like I grew up with all women who are were super hetero, super feminine, you wow. know. So it just they just didn't know. So I didn't figure it out till I was um like 18 and um you know like and dating dating women. Now, I was also like under the influence of, of drugs um, at that time. You know, I, that's part of my story is, is recovery right. from drugs and alcohol. And uh, so then I got clean and it was like, I thought that was something I did um, when I was loaded. Mm. That I would date women and hide it from everyone. Right. <laughs> like, who hides anything? Like, yeah. Not, you know what I mean? Right. Uh, so, I, I hear you. That's interesting. No, keep going. I'm, I'm no, it's okay. Yeah. So I didn't even come out till to my. Uh, I didn't come out to my family until I was thirty years old. Wow. I'd come out to my friends, like certain friends. I'd compartmentalize. You know who was allowed to know. Totally. Right. Yeah. And it was always that uh, that I was by. You know, uh, uh, softening the blow. Like I'm. I'm by. You know, is that how you identify now, or would you? No, yeah, yeah no. <laughs> uh-huh. I also was like, I'm bi, and like yeah. the friends that really knew me were like, No, you're not, dude. <laughs> like you're you're gay. You're you're full yeah. on. You are a lesbian. Like, yeah, like you like to me. It's like I, no, no. I don't like dudes. Like I am one of the dudes. Yeah, um, right. And and for that, I actually like my best friends are dudes, and um, I, I identify lesbian. Um, but really, you know, in the last couple of years, even like it's been a journey. I, I've I've really started to identify more non-binary that I have. Right. You know, gender's kind of like I don't know. Like I'm kind of both, really. If, I think that's so cool. I mean, it it really, truly, you don't like need to like label yourself. Like this is just how you identify now, and it's like. I felt like when I when I came out, I was like, okay, I'm I'm not straight, and I I'm not straight. But like, and then being like, okay, I'm bi. Okay, now I'm I'm a lesbian. And my parents thought I was just like couldn't make up my mind. <laughs> I'm like, oh, no, right, it's like right. the fact that you have to give it a label at all is just like, okay, I'm going from one label to another label, and instead of just being like, I love this person. Like that right. is the, that is the most simple identifier is like this is the person I love. Yeah. yeah. Well, when did it ever become, you know, it's just so funny that um, it was ever assigned one way. I understand why this right. is correlating to religion, too, just because of that whole Garden of Eden thing mm. and the the name of the two genders and right. the binary story yeah. that's been told, like the creation story that we've been yeah. told and fed of like how we got here, which... But um, I kind of want to go back to something you said. Um, You're saying like that you didn't know that or, or you didn't like take it seriously that when you were like dating women, 
um, yeah. like, because you were like under the influence. Correct. Yeah. Was, do you think that was like partially you like, like s- continuing to like su- suppress or like, was that yeah. you were like kind of like in denial and you're like, Oh no, like I only did that. Be-. Like, was it, I guess, was there any like social pressure to like be straight? And, oh, and, for and sure. did that like play into your telling yourself that narrative when you were, you know, not sober, even though you were hooking up with women, like, right guilty like about that as well like i get i get the wanting to be sober because like your mind isn't clear but i Mm -hmm. you know those are like two completely different things (laughs) oh my gosh right and that is like dead on you hit the truth there something that really resonates with me now i understand that i'm like well okay yes i was under the influence but really it was that i i was free enough to express myself and be myself and i and you know uh, just because of the way I grew up or because that maybe it was hereditary that I'm an addict that, um, you know, I think I need that right now. I don't think that, um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, you know, it was actually, it was a fair share or a fair amount of pressure to be straight. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I think that, um, you know, yeah, I was like, I wanted to please my my mom. She had mm. a really hard time um, when I was young. And when we were young, it, it was hard. Uh, you know, we didn't have money and my mom was alone. And, uh, you know, there was just some tragedies growing up that were hard. And I just wanted to be, quote unquote, good. Mm. And when I got sober, it was the same thing. Like I had a lot of shame. Like I went to jail for, mm. for being quote unquote bad, which is not, it's not bad, right? It's, I went to jail because I had trauma and I was addicted, but I robbed a heroin dealer when I was, you know, in my early twenties and went to jail. And when I got out, I didn't want to bring any more shame to my mother. And I wanted her to not worry about me. And in, in her eyes, the way she grew up, that would be, you know, uh, having a man to take care of me. Wow. And yeah, yeah. So I went as far to, uh, as to get married to a man. And wow. uh, Oh, my God. I know, that, right? that social pressure is real. Also, Very. yeah, like, whoa, robbing a heroin dealer. <laughs> Let's go back to that. Oh, yeah, you're right. That's <laughs> wild, dude. Um, okay, yeah, we don't need to, like, harp on that. But, like, was you know, I guess, like, was that kind of the point where you were, like, after you got arrested, you're, like, this needs to, like, stop, like, I gotta, like, I gotta get clean, because I feel like my, like, my view of myself, my view of the world is not, like, clear, and, and once you Mm. did, you know, once you did get sober, was Mm. there a moment where you were, like, you know what, that you actually were able to compartmentalize, you know what, like, I don't think that me sleeping with women was because I was, like, not sober. You know, it took years after that, and uh, it took years after that, whereas I woke up seven years sober, married to a man, and all of a sudden, as, as I got to know myself, and I went through a lot of therapy, all of a sudden, these truths about myself um, were being revealed to me. And I realized that I was like, oh my gosh, you know, I was, in th- I was trying to like save this marriage. And I'm like, why do I want to be on tour all the time? Why don't I want to be here? 
and and do that, you know, and be married. So, wow. so I one day was just like, I called up my friend Becky, who's always been a safe person for me to talk to, even to this day. I like, love her to death, right. Becky. Shout you out those, to Becky. You need those there. people. You need those Yeah, everybody so needs bad. Becky. And um, I called her up and I was like, yo, I think that I really, I think I really am gay. Remember that thing I told you? Remember like, because <laughs> she, not, she um, uh, uh, you know, we had run around together and partied and done drugs or whatever. And she was be the, she would be the only person I told that I was dating women. Right. And um, I, so one day I was, I realized my truth. And, uh, and so I, I asked for a divorce and, uh, and, and you know what? I just want to say for the record. Yeah. My husband is my best friend today. That's uh, awesome. That's yeah, really cool. He's just rad and he's like a smart, emotionally, um available and and intuitive person so he he like we have repaired that relationship and we're best friends today and he's like that's that's awesome that is really cool and that probably shows that like you were always just friends (laughs) like oh my god right we were best friends yeah it was like that's the thing is like i realized later i was like oh i didn't like you know, I wasn't attracted. Oh, to that wasn't sexual. Friends. Yeah, that wasn't sexual at all. Well, right. Well, there is because there is that social pressure to be hetero. I feel like yeah. when I was, you know, younger and like, yeah, I, I never was attracted to guys. But but if there was like a kinship or like, a, oh, we love the same music or like, a you know, like I like yeah. a homie that was like, whoa, I can really talk to this person and be honest with this person and that emotional intimacy, you like yeah. confuse it for the other type of intimacy, but it's not <laughs> like, right. um, which right. is the difference when people are like, how do you know you're gay? I'm like, well, that is a telltale sign <laughs> when you yeah. like, yeah, like when all of the quote unquote, you know, relationships you have with guys are like just platonic no matter how hard you would like try to convince yourself they aren't you know you would tell yourself that it's not like it's it's more than that and you're like no this really is just platonic (laughs) like for sure yeah and and that's cool that's so man that's so cool that you're that you're um that your ex-husband is is now like just like just still you guys are still homies like what a cool thing it's like almost like you didn't have to end the relationship you just had to change it which is super it's, cool. It's a blessing, you know. I'm I'm super grateful um, for many things, but that through some of the growth and and the, through the painful stuff coming right. to the other side, it's been like it, it's amazing. And and actually, like, um, it's funny too. And I don't know uh, how you feel about like spirituality, but that's been a big part of my life. And I don't, uh, you know, despite growing up religious i'm not religious any longer but i am i do like practice spiritual principles and pray and meditate and whatnot and i just think it looks different for everyone like god is not like a fast food restaurant like you don't just (laughs) go in and like it looks the same every time and you get in you know it's the same price and you it's not it's not like that but i feel like america this americanized kind of white westernized version of of Christianity has mm. almost become that it's like a, it's like a, yeah, it's a franchise. Go, it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a franchise and a business essentially. And like, sure. but I don't know. Yeah. I, I think that the relationship a person, you know, has with God or that appealable source is right. so 
different and, and, and personal. Like you can't, yeah. you know, you can't, um, you can't expect it to be the exact same as someone else's. Um, yeah. And it's weird to like put them in little boxes like, oh, I'm, I'm, um, you know, I'm a Catholic. Oh, I'm non-denominational. Oh, I'm, you know, <laughs> Episcopalian. And I'm, it's like, yeah. what is the difference? Like, I well, don't know. Similarly, it's like labels in, in the LGBTQ plus. I was thinking community. that as well. Yeah. When really. In like, a way. Well, in a way, it's a good way to meet like-minded people. Yes. Right? People who have the same values. And, and for that, I, I actually understand and respect a lot of Christians. And, totally. And, and even. For the community really, aspect of it. Yeah community and and the folks that are are in it for the um to do good and to love and to be generous and to practice mm. the principles that is actually that are actually written in you know whatever book they um go by you know right. that that's that shit's cool to me but yeah, no it is cool right so but me personally i just i don't uh you know i don't do organized religion right I feel like, I don't know if it would have been different for me had I not felt marginalized from the church at a certain point. I think that causes a person to like build, like obviously build up some walls of like when you're, and and I guess it wasn't only the church that made me feel like I need to be a certain way. Um, I don't know if it was like this in your Catholic church. It wasn't like drilled home, like Mm -hmm the clobber verses or whatever, it wasn't like, you know, they weren't like, the priest wasn't giving sermons about that, you know, but it just wasn't talked about at all as if it like didn't exist. So I, so I think that is where I think had it been talked about more, like my parents, when it came time for me to be like, Hey guys, like I'm gay, you know, um, they would have had the context and the context and the resources like necessary to like have that conversation and and know and have like the priest be like hey like if your kid is gay like you know here's what you say you say like they're loved unconditionally and all that you know like that would be really nice i i I guess that's all i would want to see like yeah i think that they uh there might be congregations doing that there are for sure right yeah but then you know then there's this thing uh um where humanity sometimes get gets politicized yeah. and uh which is odd right totally so but there's still even despite certain congregations there are still people who you know love all unconditionally despite what maybe even their church or their priest says about homosexuality yeah but yeah to to actually um touch on the points that you brought up though it i was not actually i never heard uh, a Sunday mass talking about homosexuality right. and therefore I just never felt a part of right and I think that's what you, you're saying um, about feeling marginalized right like you're just right. kind of weren't there like or included you were just like you're like invisible like in, in yeah. these con- these conflicting emotions you're like is this a sin is this not a-? like I've, I've literally had no clarity on it but I yeah. know the verse exists because I've seen it Yeah. Because yeah, I, yeah. you know, People I did my own research and I'd be like Googling, like, you know, is being gay a sin? And like, there's like a million oh. different answers, you know, like, yeah. 
like I'm talking about like, you know, way when I was younger, but like, of course, yeah. but yeah, it's like, there's just no clear message from specifically from the Catholic church or wasn't when I was growing up. And I think mm-hmm. that was part of the issue when I was navigating those conversations with my very Catholic family, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I just think like having those resources within a church if their message is like love everyone, it's like you kind of have to acknowledge like what's going on culturally because that that exists, you know. It's like you got to yes. talk about those things and not like sit on the fence so much. Um, right. Yes. Yeah. And then the the um, again talking about the debate of of like you know the Bible being translated many different times and written right. in a very different time um, and not really written to empower women for that matter either and very patriarchal about yeah. keeping slaves and you know so maybe some of those things uh should be addressed <laughs> right so right. um let's talk know. about this in a modern context like yeah we know that like we should know all these things are wrong and we do know but like some people still don't <laughs> so let's talk oh, yeah. about it you well know? i've had a couple folks on social media um try and remind me too that that being gay is a sin oh yeah yeah um, fuck which man. is uh comical that, i was like why ridiculous. do you follow me <laughs> what and then and and that to was troll like, you duh yeah, right. and then and then it was weird they they got confused and they're like because i like your music but you but you're still bad and i'm like i thought like your page says outlaw yeah. <laughs> Wait, isn't like and then oh the best was when um uh shooter had posted, you know, like being supportive, post posting about the album right. that he produced my album, right? And yeah, oh yeah, no, I know. I want to get to that eventually, but yeah. Continue. Oh cool, yeah. Sorry, I'm like rambling on. No, no, I love it. I love everything but it, you're saying. Thank you. Well, then he's like, you know, he shared an, an article from the Advocate magazine. Um, right. which is an LGBTQ publication, if you don't know, folks. Yeah. But uh, then um, half the people said it was outlaw for me to come out and talk about it. And the other half said it wasn't outlaw. And it was a debate on what is outlaw. And it was hilarious. Interesting. <laughs> you know, I side with the people that would say outlaw is is anything that is pushing against conformity. Exactly. Right. <laughs> like Me too, me too man. And yeah, and and if conformity has been, you know, literally causing you pain and like making you feel like you need to suppress a very real part of yourself, it is it is outlaw to say no conformity. This is who I am, and it's important to talk about, especially within this kind of classic country music type of sound because you know like it's talked about in pop music and and rap these like all the time, you know, and I think. Obviously, those, um, I, I don't know, for, for whatever reason, those uh, genres, I feel like, just have more of it, have more yeah. LGBTQ plus artists, you know, in in those genres. But, like, country, there there are, and they're becoming more of us. There are definitely more of us now, mm-hmm. but there's not as many. And representation right. is always, 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 like, just so important, especially in country music i like yep yeah yeah I because mean, I, of those people that are like outlaw like you're not <laughs> outlaw if you're gay it's like what 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, who are you? <laughs> yeah. Well, and then I had to think about it, you know, uh, then some had said, um, I'm always game to be challenged. Like, like, bring it on challenge. Yeah. Um, somebody had said, uh, oh, this is an agenda. And I was like, yes, it is an agenda. Absolutely. You know why? Because I was a little kid and I didn't see anyone that looked like me. So I didn't know who I was and I did drugs. And I almost died over that shit. Mm. So like, yeah, I'm going to talk about it. So some other kid doesn't have to die mm. over feeling bad or not feeling like it was safe to be themselves. So Yeah. It's a, yeah, you know, and not to be like too heavy, but. No, but that's very real. That's very yeah. real. And, and it's cool that you're using your music, like a very vulnerable you know form of expression to to get that message out to people um because yeah mental health is also like such a taboo topic and mental health plays into like drugs and like obviously there's like an opioid crisis in this there's so many there's just like so so much wrong that we we feel uncomfortable talking about and that's that's part of the problem right like if we don't talk about it no one has conversations about it and then you just feel like you're in the dark and you go do those things in the dark and then you suppress yeah. and like pent pent it all up and bottle it up and and then it, at some point you know it's gonna explode oh, yeah <laughs> i mean i always say too that that <laughs> happy people are productive people and happy people um are less likely to hurt others right because hurt yeah. people hurt people as Oprah says, and uh, it's it's really important. Whatever is good for mental health is good for the collective. And right. so I've always been a fan of, and what I learned in recovery and what I learned over the years, uh, therapy, all these different things is like, yeah, like talk about it, take the stigma out of it and, and, mm. and work through whatever, whatever it is, right? Work okay. through trauma, work through fears, work through, uh, you know, sexual identity stuff you know right yeah like i mean jesus said it in in the bible love your neighbor as yourself it's like the you know what we call the golden rule like there's a reason why love yourself is in there because yeah. if you don't love yourself you won't be able to love the people around you no matter how much you want to um yeah. because yeah people who hurt hurt other people because you just that's your experience and you're yeah, yeah. um but yeah, yeah. Man, um, all of that is, I feel like we just like dove, <laughs> dove know, deep right? right away. There was like no like easing into it, but that's great. I know. I, and sometimes I think that there are times I, I have always felt and me and hopefully it's not as much anymore, but I've always kind of felt like even just by being myself is and, and talking about myself that I like terrify some people in, no. in country vein and stuff and i'm like wow. and that's a good thing let me tell you that's a good thing because <laughs> that, that that's where the representation comes in you know it's like all the queer people you know making music in the americana or country genre like we all need to be here because we yes. all have different perspectives on it um yeah. yeah unfiltered your unfiltered opinion is always like i think the best way and you just yeah it, it's very unique how um just how your story like unfolded. But I do want to talk about your move to Nashville. Cause you, so you made music in LA before you came to Nashville or? Yeah. 
Yeah, because you had Felony Blues. You released a record before it. Was that, did you yeah. release that in LA when you were uh, out there? Yeah, I did. I released it in Los Angeles. And, uh, you know, even prior to that, I probably have, you know, I have like albums that are unreleased, singles that are unreleased. So you've been making music for a long time. Yeah, I've been recording. I made my first record when I was 14. And right. I got my first record deal when I was 17 in, in high school. And, uh, I moved to LA and I think when I was 19 and I'd been there. So, you know, but I'd been wow. there a while and then made um, felony blues uh, and then moved to Nashville about 18 months ago, coming up on say two years now. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's been great. I've been coming to Nashville to visit for many years and, you know, writing and touring and playing. And I ended up having a band and touring out of Nashville so much. I was like, you know, not living anywhere, just touring, not yeah. even having a place in LA for a couple of years. Wow. Uh, just nomad. <laughs> nomad, too no. poor. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> a professional couch person. Yeah. And then um, I also, you know, was intrigued. So I was very intrigued with Nashville and had made some great friendships out here and then also discovered that the price of living was somewhat affordable and <laughs> not like LA <laughs> yeah. oh my gosh right yeah not at all also were you out when you lived in LA or did you come out like recently kind of around this record or not like around the record as if it were like a you know rollout plan but like I'm just like how it you know <laughs> just how it panned out like I guess I'm trying to figure out like the timing of yeah. that personal like discovery and like I don't know I mean because it is a big deal to like stand in your queerness and like own it you know rather than like you know a lot of and a lot of musicians you know make music and they're gay but they don't like talk, don't about, talk it. about it yeah the music or make which is which honestly is cool like i right there literally choice. is no yeah there is no right or wrong way to do it but um just talking about representation and how oh yeah country music yeah i wanted to know like kind of what what your coming out story and this record like how are they related cool thank you for asking you know i came out in 2016 to my family and then i released um felony blues in 2017 i, I was not out uh for all of felony blues not out of the closet um and really i i had planned to keep it all separate um as far as my personal life se separate from right. my career and my social media life, it was like compartmentalized, you know? Totally. And that was kind of my plan because honestly, I didn't feel like it'd be welcomed in country music. I hear you. <laughs> right? It's scary. Yeah. It's, it is scary. I was a little intimidated. I was already kind of like, um, I f some, at times I'd felt a little bit um, ostracized for even being, uh, making music, making country music in California, mm. um, which is, you know, that's his own thing. And I, maybe I just felt insecure, but, I but definitely adding the gay thing on top of that. Yeah. yeah, yeah I was right. like, you know what? I'm already like a recovering addict. I'm already um, this and that. If I add the gay thing on top of it, they will completely reject me. I'll have no friends and I'll, you know, whatever. Yeah. All this, like all these lies that just fear. I, I get it. No, I mean, I, um, it, yeah, no, those fears luckily aren't like, you know, weren't valid. Well, they were, they're valid in the way you felt about them. But, yeah, like, but yeah, but yeah, but like, that. that's not true. Like, I yeah. think, 
like people want to know the most authentic version of you, you know? Um, and, and, and I feel like our world has like come a hell of a long way, you know, from probably, um, the world it was when we were little. (laughs) So that's good. Um, thank goodness. Yeah. But okay. So, um, sorry, I didn't want to, I didn't mean to interrupt, but so you're coming out in this record because neon cross is like a song about, you know, being condemned for who you are. Correct. Is that, is that, what it's about yeah. for you. I don't want to just like make assumptions about your music. That's but, a like... really good take. That's a really good take, Katie. Like, uh, pretty dead on. There's, there was, a, you know, there's parts of that story. It's very autobiographical. So in also, you know, I was sort of making fun of myself for uh, having so much self-pity mm. that I was like, you know, it was, and, and that's what I like drank and used over was right. just the self pity that all this you know self-made misery Mm. and so I was kind of making fun of myself for that but also yeah feeling condemned and um you know condemned in in many ways like no one loves me no that fear that like if I'm out and I'm completely myself like they're going to not accept me Yeah. yeah yeah they'll put me on the cross yeah why neon cross? I'm, I'm, I'm. Uh... <laughs> Honky tonks. Honky tonks. Okay, cool, mm-hmm. cool. And I'd spent a lot of time in bars, and um, I'd spent a lot of time in bars, sober and not sober. I, right. I you know, I, I relapsed when I had, when I divorced my husband. I relapsed. Wow. I, I couldn't like, I didn't have the tools, and I had, fallen off my game a little bit, so that when I came out, I wasn't ready. And right. I, yeah, and so it, it went badly. I'll just put it that way. It went badly in the in this relapse. I uh, just experienced a lot more pain, and um, and so writing, you know, so that so the record's about you know getting sober again and mm-hmm. coming out and finally being able to be myself. Yeah, so it's kind of it's both a celebration and also um, you know like the stories of just how dark it was at the bottom too. Yeah. Well, you need both for an accurate, you know, picture of what, of what's going on. I mean, it's the joy and celebration of like you overcoming a very dark time. Um, Yeah. Do you find that like when you have been in those like dark times in your life, like there has been a grounding force or something that like has, has just kind of, pulled you out of those moments and been like, okay, like, this is what I need to do next. I don't know. I feel like yeah. for me, every time, you know, I hear that voice, I, that's, that's the closest thing I would associate to God. Yes. And, and that's so well said. I can relate that, that like really resonates with me. Um, I actually do call the, uh, I have a higher power. I choose to call God uh, right. for many years. I didn't call right them god my right. my god's non-binary but, yeah them yeah love yeah it. right so you know um i i did i really felt like there's been many times there are many things and situations i've lived through that i i, I shouldn't have you know as far as danger um some dangerous places that i put myself as a result of my addiction and i there's no human power that that save my life in those moments and 
you know, I've overdosed. Um, mm. I've also like had been in the compulsion and somewhere out of nowhere as the compulsion of a guy can't stop getting high, you know? Right. And, yeah. And then, uh, and then something clicked where I, I had to run away, run to, <laughs> run to my, my mom so that I could use a phone to call someone to help me. Hmm. And, and and that doesn't happen. Unfortunately, it doesn't happen with the disease. Like, right. The disease well, those those moments right. of strength where you overcome the thing that is controlling you. Like, yeah, right. like that. Yeah. That's interesting that you say like no human force or feeling like that was not caused by. Like that is so that is so cool and interesting to me and right. and powerful. Like I I believe yeah. in that too. You know, um, yes. that's man. That's that's awesome. Yeah, it's cool. And I, I mean, I've got like crazy stories that, that because I've always been a person that's like sort of prove it, right? You want right. to tell me, I, I, you know, I, I love science. I want to know how this works. Why? Why, why, why? Why does this work? Right. right. So, so you say there's a God, prove it, you know? Right. And so I, I did a lot of that introspective and uh, introspection and I had to like analyze my life and the events and how they unfolded. And I found that there was a lot of situations that I, I really, I lived through and that was, you know, quote unquote miracle, whatever you want to call it. Right. Uh, but, you know, several situations that, that just like, you know, save me despite my best doing, despite my behavior, like I was spared, you know? Yeah. No, I mean, that's, that's redemptive. That's, that's really cool. And that kind of goes back to the whole, like, God is personal. Like, it's a personal thing. Like, yes. you can, you can go, like, looking for answers and proof in, like, you know, science books of, like, oh, this doesn't make any sense or whatever. Yeah. But, yeah, but it is a feeling. It's, like, a guiding conscience. It's a, it's a guiding voice or it's a moment of strength or of, like, overcoming an obstacle yeah, I mean, we all feel that oh, yeah. as humans. I think like just being a human in and of itself is a spiritual experience, you know? Yeah. Um, it's hard to avoid that. Like yeah. even, it, even outside of the confines of a physical church. Like, I think that's kind of what, I'm, what I've been searching for is like, and, and why I want to have these conversations is because I know I know those moments exist and I know that powerful yeah. force or whatever it is like it, it exists, but we've just, we've wanted to like pin it down so definitively and say like, it looks like a white guy with a beard in the sky. Um, <laughs> yeah. it, it's just, it's interesting to hear people's personal experiences with that yes. feeling and or force. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and that said, I've always like, like you said, you know, it's a personal thing for me. What if it's more of a feeling? I can't picture what this entity looks like, and that's irrelevant to right. uh, the connection. Totally, um, my connection is you know through meditation and prayer and um, music. Music is big. I also yeah. like I like nature and gardening a lot. That's been really grounding. Yeah, <laughs> grounding to be in the dirt. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, but for real, yeah. Uh, it is. And yeah. So, so it was actually quite a process to mm, like, you know, and I'm still looking 
because I still think we it's all weird. are. <laughs> I don't know what this this uh, this thing looks like. Sometimes I think that's strange that I yeah. even give a shit, but it's a feeling. And I know that when I'm playing music um, with others, and there's this connection with the folks listening, and we're all having an experience, and there's that energy exchange. I know that I have a purpose on this earth and that um, it's, it's a very spiritual experience. Like it, it feels, um, I don't know, it, it, that feels like high, you know? Yeah. yeah. So yes, I mean, and that's, and that is like a very natural, healthy high, <laughs> you know, you yeah, really like feel that feeling of love and feel feeling grounded by nature yeah. or friends or, you know, I mean, that, that is, um, that's the most healthy high you can have, <laughs> you know, Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. and, and it's, it's like, it's that force of good in the world that like feels like why we're here, you know, um, yeah. is to feel that. And, and that's like, I think if, when you tap into that, it's like, that's God. <laughs> like you don't really need Absolutely. to analyze it or, or, um, break it down too much beyond that. Really. Yeah. I, I don't feel the need to, I, I feel like just acknowledge being present in those moments is enough sometimes, you know? Um, Absolutely. Man, I want to, I want to talk about quick uh, before um, we go. Um, your influences because you're you're wearing a Jennings hat, <laughs> Wailing Jennings. Oh yeah, Wailing yeah. Jennings. Uh, obviously, you like you know, um, kind of have like that Bakersfield sound, but it's like not, but it's like new, and you're talking about you know, kind of modern topics <laughs> with that old classic sound. But like, yeah, what did you grow up listening to, and what inspired you to like stay true to those like country roots? Because it really is there, you know. Oh, thank you. Yeah. yeah. That that's cool. Um, I wish I could answer. By the way, I just gotta say, I wish I could answer um, or ask all these same questions back to you because I'm just as curious about you and your artistry as well. Well, let's <laughs> let's hang out. Let's like get <laughs> all right, cool. Yeah. Okay, cool. Because I I would really like to know more about you. It's been been a pleasure to be on your show. But uh, so let me answer your question. Oh gosh, it could take forever. No, We're that's so okay. I'm we have we have time. <laughs> No, I'll keep it succinct. Um, I did grow up in Washington, so it's interesting. Like as a kid, really young kid, um, I definitely loved grunge and I loved rock and roll in that way. But my parents also kind of raised me on like my mom loved Hank Williams and and Bob Dylan and the Rolling Stones and Bonnie Raitt and all these people. But um, then I grew up working in horse barns and that was just like my job cool. uh, my first job right I was cleaning stalls wow that's <laughs> you know? that that is country <laughs> so yeah, yeah, totally and and actually when I was a child I I've worn cowboy boots uh and full western attires like you know I sort of like mellowed out on it when I was like eight I kind of stopped wearing a cowboy hat to school. I don't know. When I was a little kid, I really just thought. Leaned that, into it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I showed up to kindergarten to the nines with like cowboy hat, um, it, but you know, ginger snap and the vest and the boots. Wow. And I was like, I remember looking around. I was like, I wanted to be like, mom, they don't 
how come I look different than everyone else? And because like my mom just let me dress however I want, right? I was like, a that's great. And anyways, so so I'd always been obsessed with Western culture and and horses and and cowboy culture. I wanted to be a cowboy since yeah. I was a kid. Right. So, so I loved um, uh, listening to '90s country and the the horse barns, and that was like big influence. You know, the Judds, um, and uh, and then it was the Judds and Garth and and Reba, and then nice, was, yeah, and then it was Shania. Um, even though that was poppy, it was still just like it was still country. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there was country as a kid, and then um, I got really into the outlaw country and like the you know, Willie and Waylon more so in my, my twenties. And, uh, like even, I know a ton of skaters, right. That love all the outlaw country. Right. Yeah. You know, um, and then I got really deep into it. Um, when I don't know if it was, um, I just started studying like my family history too. And my mom's family lived in Bakersfield and played country music. Wow. Like in the forties. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, and I wish I'd known more about it, but I, I, I did, you know, do a little research into that. And uh, that's so, so that cool. Was- what a moment in time that like your parents were like a part of. Like that's like really cool. Yeah, that's and I always sang since I was a kid. I always kind of sang with a little bit of a yodel, like a, just a, you know the, all the like country mm-hmm. breaks, and I didn't really know why so i think the influences whatever country just felt right to me and then then, yeah that makes sense yeah (laughs) i always felt good and i remember the first i remember where i was the first time i heard lucinda williams you know like i remember where i was what a unique like amazing voice she has like it's it's like it's not like your typical like pop polished like Right. Voice. That's I think that's what I love so much about it is like it's mm. it's one of those voices that just has so much character. Like Yes. And and just all of the recordings, I mean, they just sound her voice just sounds like right up close. Like you're like mm. across it's, the table from her. Um, right. And it's just it's just striking. It'll just yeah. stop you in your tracks. And yeah, you, you know what I mean? For me it just it just like hit me and I was like, What is this? And my mom, you know, then told me all about uh, where Lucinda came from and, and what kind of writer she was and how, you know, what the lyric, how, you know, she was emphasizing how important the lyrics were. And that's so, awesome. So yeah. your mom, so your mom must be like stoked that you're, you're, you know, in Nashville and like making me, I mean, it seems like she's like a huge music fan and not just like a music fan, not like a casual music fan, but like, it seems like her influences are like deep, you know, like our, yeah. she's educated on music. So she mm-hmm. must I don't know. I yeah, like I I bet she's like stoked. <laughs> that she's really this. stoked. Yeah, and and uh, and she's lovely, and and we get to bond through that, uh, which is so cool. And That's she's awesome. really proud, and that makes me feel good. Uh, you know, it's wonderful to <laughs> be able to make my mom proud after so many moments of not making her proud. <laughs> I hear that, and isn't it funny that like now you're able to make her proud like as yourself like not as this like you know I feel like all those other you know years you were might have still been trying to make her proud but like as someone else which is why it didn't work you know oh my gosh yes and and that's the truth that's the truth oh my goodness like 
you know. Authenticity <laughs> is key. Yes. Authenticity is powerful. Yeah. Right. Right. It's just, you hit it right on the head, Katie. Hell yeah. Well, we need to hang out like for real. I feel like the, the skater, the fact that you're a skater, I feel like we have, we would have a lot to talk about. Um, uh, Seriously. But yeah, we, our first initial conversation was like, let's talk about God and life and death. <laughs> yeah. Let's go deep. Yeah. Yes. I love that. I'm, I don't like to have casual conversation. Well, <laughs> let me just uh, leave on this note. I just want to say happy pride to you. Yes. Happy pride to you. Yeah. I didn't bring that up once. <laughs> we said proud all throughout it though. Like that's true. We are pride. Dude, don't even trip. I just yeah, want to yeah. say that because it's really special to me to be interviewing with you in the month of June. And this is only my second pride out. So it's like really cool. So thank I mean, you. it's of course. Yeah. Thank you. Um, and well but yeah, thank, thanks for, thanks for being on here, Jamie. And um, we will, we will hang soon. <laughs> All right. Thank Katie. Take care of yourself. Thank yes, you so see much. Ya. See ya. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of the recovering Catholic. I hope it inspired you to be the most authentic version of yourself, regardless of any social pressure to conform. If you or someone you love is struggling with their sexuality, please visit the trevorproject.org where you can access all kinds of free resources, including a support center and a free hotline. I'll leave you with one of my favorite tracks off of Jamie's record called By Your Side. Thanks for listening, everyone, and keep looking for the light.
Covering Catholic is presented by Osiris Media, hosted and produced by Katie Pruitt, edited by Justin Thomas, mixed and mastered by Guy Fell and Revoice Media, theme music by Katie Pruitt, distributed by Concord, artwork by Sammy Wiedeberg. This episode features original music by Jamie Wyatt.